Um, so uh, who's up for something weird? Okay, got a couple of new people I can see. Uh, okay, so in this church, when Larry says who's up for something weird, we enthusiastically raise our hands. Okay, let's try again. Who's up for something weird? Oh, awesome. You guys are great. Thank you for that. Um, so here's what we're going to do today that's a little bit different. Um, I'm going to give you about a 20-minute sermon. Don't start having... Oh, hallelujah. No, no, no. Just take it easy. About maybe a 20-minute message about the kingdom of God. And then I'm going to give you about a 20-minute update on what's going on at this particular church. A lot of you, I know, have questions about some of the stuff that's been going on. So we're going to get everybody kind of filled in today on where we're at. So does that sound good to you? Is that okay with you? Okay. So um, what we have to do, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been talking about the kingdom of God, and I think it's really necessary for us to give like a little update. So I'm sorry if this is a little bit repetitive for you, um, but there are some people that weren't here the last couple of weeks, and they kind of won't know what we're talking about. And also, I think we're presenting the Bible in a slightly different way than some of us are used to, and it may take hearing it a couple of times for it to kind of sink in. So what I'd like to do as part of my 20 minutes is give you about a five-minute total recap of the Bible from a kingdom perspective. You okay with that? Okay, now I have to tell you, though, when a, when a preacher says five minutes, I mean, that's like dog years, kind of. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like a different, uh, it's like um, contractor weeks, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's like time means something different to them somehow. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to give myself a five-minute clock here. We're going to actually do this thing. Wait, don't start it yet because I'm going to turn this around the other way. I don't know why that was so important to me, but I just felt like I had to do it. I don't know. Okay, is my five minutes up there? Okay, we're ready to start. Okay, here we go. We're going to start in Genesis 1, 1. We're going to go to Revelation 21. Okay, we'll try for five minutes. It may not be exactly five minutes, but that's, that's kind of my goal. Okay, you ready? All right, start the clock. In the beginning. Uh, in the beginning. Was it already started? Okay, you guys owe me 15 seconds. So uh, in the beginning, we know that God created the heaven and the earth. And we also know that 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, the original authors of the Bible and the readers and hearers of the Bible did not perceive heaven and earth the way we do. They didn't have satellite imaging, right? So the way they saw the heavens was like, what's up there, right? And the way they saw the earth was just like, what's down here? It was like God's space and our space. And so this is the way they perceived God's space and our space, separate spaces. And so there was a problem with man's space. The problem with man's space was that it was uninhabitable. It was dark. It was chaotic. It was covered with these ominous, dark, scary waters full of death or whatever. And so God did a little fixer-upper project, right? And for the first six days, the first few lines in your Bible is God transforming everything. It was God calling the chaos into order. Right? And this is where God created plants and birds and rocks and things. Somebody know that song? Um, birds and fish and, and trees and mountains. And God created all of that stuff so that it could be habitable for the centerpiece of his creation, for the most important piece of his, center, of his uh, creation, which was mankind. Exactly right. And we even learned the Hebrew word for mankind or humanity. What was it? 
Adam or Adam. And so that God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was uninhabitable for Adam, and so creation happened. And that was God making it habitable for Adam. And he loved Adam. He loved mankind so much that he wanted mankind to experience something that none of the rest of creation would get to experience real love. And so to have real love, we have to have a choice, right? God didn't want to program mankind like a bear has to hibernate. It's instinct. It doesn't have any choice. Geese have to fly south. They don't have any choice. It's just what they do. Salmon have to swim upstream to spawn. They They don't have a choice. It's what they do, right? That's how they're programmed. But he wanted mankind to have actually a choice so that he could experience real love. And so if we get into chapter two, of Genesis, it tells us kind of a recap of that story, and then it also tells us a little extra wrinkle, and that is that in man's space, on the land, God created a mountain, and on that mountain was a place called Eden, and in Eden is where he placed mankind. And Eden was an amazing place because this was, it means paradise in English. It's, it's, it's a word that means God, God provided everything for mankind, food, water, air, um, purpose, work, even told man what was good and what was bad, what was right and what was wrong. He gave man everything he needed. And the best thing about Eden was this was a place where God's space and man's space was the same space. God and man were completely together. And so now he wants man to have this free choice. And so he says, um, here's your choice. You can do things my way. You can stay in the kingdom of Eden with me and experience what I call good and evil, right? And I'll provide everything for you, love, purpose, life, everything you need. Or if you can try to do this thing on your own and try to decide for yourself what's good and evil, and then you're going to have to create your own purpose, in your own world, in your own version of love and life and purpose. And now here comes the talking snake. He gets in the man's ear, right? And temptation comes and sin comes. And man decides, now I'm going to decide for myself what's good and evil. I'm going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when he did that, he made a choice. And that was a choice that he would be separated from God. And so now we went back to God's space and man's space being the same space. And pretty much the rest of the Bible is God explaining his plans and purposes to bring God's space and man's space back together again. And in Revelation 21, it actually happens. And if you read at the end of the Bible, you're going to see God's space and man's space are the same space again. And in this space, it's exactly like it was in this space. God provides everything. It says he'll take away every tear. He'll undo every wrong. He'll make all things new. And best of all, God's space will be man's space because it says God will fully be with his people. And God said he was going to bring all that about through the Messiah, a better man than Adam, who would come and establish a new mankind, a new humanity who could stand up to sin, who could stand up to temptation, and who could say, you know what, I want what God wants. I want God to provide everything for me. I want to be completely connected to him. I want to be where he is, and I will buy into his version of what is good and what is evil. Jesus was that Messiah. Jesus was that new Adam, and he came to bring God's space and man's space. I'm already over by 16 seconds. God's space and man's space together. So that's pretty much it. Stop. Stop o'clock. That's pretty good. 25 seconds over. So last week we talked about this like mystery of God's kingdom coming, this like weird duality, um, a dichotomy, because God's kingdom coming 
is kind of like our righteousness coming, right? Because it's, it's here, it's here, and it's coming. It's, it's already, and it's not yet. So Jesus came to bring the kingdom, and he got the ball rolling through his life and his death and his resurrection, and they went back to the Father. And then all through the New Testament, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, all talk about the church as the body of Christ. Really common throughout the New Testament to talk about the church as being the body of Christ. And what that means is that we are continuing his work, right? Jesus came and, and lived through a body, and now he's living his life through us. And so each of us as parts of that body have specific callings and experiences and gifts and passions, and we're working together as one body to continue the work that Jesus came to do, and that is to bring his kingdom fully come. And so where we are now in this weird timeline is in this amazing, um, confusing, mysterious in-between, because his kingdom is here, and it's coming already and it's not yet and our righteousness is here and it's coming and it's already and it's not yet and that time is actually perfect because he's actually bringing his kingdom here through us he's bringing his kingdom here through us that's why in matthew 5 14 jesus said you are the light of the world you are the light of the world. this is why second uh, corinthians 5 20 says we are Christ's ambassadors. So think about what that means, right? Think about what it means to be an ambassador. If I'm the United States ambassador to Norway, right, where's my home? Here. But where do I live? Norway. My job is to represent here, my real home, to that place that I live in Norway. And so as Christians, we're going to be inviting people to defect, Right? So as Christians, we, are, we're, 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 we represent the kingdom of God, which is our real home, while we live in the kingdom of this world. Does that make sense? So this is we're ambassadors here, and we are literally inviting people to defect. He is making his appeal, that verse says, through us. So inviting people into the kingdom is a really important part of what we do. Um, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and he gave the final instructions to his disciples. Who are his disciples now? Us. Okay, here's what he says. This is Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came, told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of of the age. So Jesus is expanding his kingdom. He's bringing his kingdom fully here, and he's doing it through us going out and telling people about the kingdom and us discipling people. And he's doing it through us, not just individually, but through us as a group. And this is what the church is all about. So in Acts 2, this is when he sends the Holy Spirit to empower people to do this thing that he's called us to do. Remember in, in Acts 2, that's when everybody was speaking in tongues and their hair is on fire and the crazy wind noise and all that stuff. And everybody thinks everybody's crazy. Well, what's going on here? So Peter stands up, preaches this amazing sermon. 3,000 people believe and get baptized that day. And those people formed a community an ecclesia, they formed a church. 
And here's what it says. This is Acts 2, 42. All the believers, all the people that this has happened to now have come together in this community, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, to prayer. They were in awe of everything. Verse 44, the believers met together in one place. Here we are. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They were doing those things, but God was adding to their fellowship. God was doing those things because what was it? It was Jesus living his life through them as a church. So as a church, as, as Jesus people, our purpose, our work is to do these three things. Evangelism, which is what? It's making the appeal. Right? It's telling people the good news about the kingdom. It's inviting people into the kingdom. Number two, disciple-making, which is helping people follow Jesus. It's showing people how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And then number three, continuing the work of Jesus. And this is, I think, a, like a different concept, so, so follow me on this. But when Jesus was going around healing people and uniting people, and freeing people, and casting out demons, and raising the dead, and bringing love, and peace, and justice, and beauty. That was Jesus undoing the darkness of this present, broken, corrupt world. That was Jesus bringing the freedom, and hope, and joy, and peace, and justice, and love, and life of God's space into man's space. You see that? So this is like Jesus basically passing out free samples of the coming kingdom, right? It was like little tastes of God's kingdom and light right here in the middle of the darkness. And when we, empowered by his spirit, do those three things, we invite people into the kingdom, we disciple people to be citizens of the kingdom, and we, and we come in and we hand out these kingdom samples of healing and hope and unity and love and justice and beauty. When we defeat Satan, when we bring light into this dark world, that's us continuing his work as his body, expanding his kingdom here. Okay, so you guys I know love my artwork, so I'm going to show you what that looks like. I know, right? Uh, here we go. I know, I just, I'm not used to this. I just think, why did I turn it around? I'll do it anyway. Okay, okay, wait a sec. Okay, now I'm ready. Okay, so follow me now. This is, this is God's kingdom here and the world, right? So here is, this is going to represent. <laughs> now I'm all flustered. Hold on. I can, do, I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. Okay, this is God's kingdom. Okay, listen. It's, it's these are people. It's, it's full of all kinds of people, man. Some of them are in India, right? It's just full. It's a, millions of people. This is God's, this is God's, this is God's kingdom. It's, it's red because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Okay. All right. All right. So here's, here is CBCB. Really the most important part <laughs> of God's kingdom. Okay. So this is what we call the capital C church, right? This is the big C church. It's a worldwide family body of Christ this is what we call the lowercase c church, right? This is our little kind of local body. You guys with me so far? Does it all make sense? Okay. This in blue 
is going to be God's great, big, wonderful world that he loves and that he wants to redeem. And it's full of seven billion people. Some of them are India, some of them are here, some of them know Jesus, some of them don't. Okay? Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this on that. Okay? So watch this. This, this is going to be God's kingdom. Here's what it looks like. See that? This is God's kingdom. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of those people, but it's not everybody. It's not the whole world. This is just God's kingdom within the world. You with me so far? Okay, so where is, where is CBCB in that? Well, we're right there. You, you, you follow me? Does that make sense to you? Do you love my artwork? I thought you would. Uh, so when his kingdom, when the red line, right, expands to the whole world, when the red line gets all, when the red line gets out to the blue line, right? When God's kingdom is fully come. This is Revelation 21. There it is. Now we're there. And now we're back to Eden. And now we're back to God's kingdom here, fully come. That means God provides everything. 